This is Greg Olson, and I'm thrilled to introduce my new podcast, TE1. TE1 will chronicle a 60-year evolution of the tight end position, from its origins as an obscure, overlooked blocking role to the versatile superstar position that it is today. I'll explore the evolution of the position through conversations with some of the all-time game-changing tight ends. And just like the incredible tight ends we sit down with on my new show, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. This truck is all about grit, strength, and dependability. The same attributes it takes to be a tight end. What's up, listeners? This is Curtis Patrick. I just wanted to stop by and say thank you for supporting Rotoviz Radio. You are the absolute best audience in the business, and I know it. As a special thank you, I'm offering 10% off your next Rotoviz subscription. Just use code 2020RVRADIO at checkout. That's right. Go to rotoviz.com, click subscribe, and enter code 2020RVRADIO at checkout for 10% off. You can even extend your subscription. Oh, and one more thing. If you haven't ever done it, please rate and review the podcast you're listening to right now on Apple Podcasts. It's really easy. It only takes like 10, 15 seconds. Just do it. We'd love to hear your feedback. Now, back to the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Rotoviz College Football Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, Stephon LeCoe, joined by my co-host, Matt Wispay. This podcast is being brought to you by Chevy, DoorDash, Pepsi, Rotoviz, Beta Online, and of course, our friends at Blue Wire. We are excited to be here today. We have a fun show as always, but before we get started, one quick thing. You can't see it, but I'm dancing. Yeah, yeah, you are. The Mac is back, baby. I know you're excited about it. So it, so I, you're making fun of me for this joke, for this <laughs> largely because so while we were recording Travis's podcast that uh, just went up, I think it just went up. College to Canton of, podcast. College to Canton podcast. Well, he, we had some audio issues at that point, and I'm they noticed that I was kind of just sitting there dancing while we were having those issues, and I let them know that I was sitting there dancing to the song "Return to the Mac." Because the news for the Mac coming back had broken probably Earlier that day, I think. Yeah, it was, it was within a couple hours of when we were recording. So, hey, you want to know what Mac games are? They are terrible games. And you know what terrible games are? My freaking wheelhouse. <laughs> that's where we have some fun, especially that's where you have some fun. And it gives you a little bit uh, a little bit more options for your your Debbie articles where you're you're kind of reaching for some of these more obscure players, too. So it's all around good stuff for you. Well, I get my dude, like the one guy that I was really sad to see one of, or I should say one of the guys that I was really disappointed to see sit out there or not playing this year because of the seasons getting canceled was Toledo running back Brian Kobach, who I actually think has legitimate upside as a Debbie prospect. Mm. Um, and, but sitting out a year, all, he's not, he doesn't have the draft capital built in right now that he can leave. And it's not like he's going to have like a year like it, it. it's it just really would have hurt his stock. So I'm so excited he's back because I really do think he's valuable. He could be. I mean, to say Toledo can't produce him. Well, there's this dude on the Cleveland Browns right now who went to Toledo. So maybe the next one's coming. Yeah. Yeah. You never know. You never know. Do you um? do you know when the uh, 
I know we had, I know we were talking about it before. I don't have it up in front of me because I'm a very it's November something, right? Well prepared host. I was wondering if you remembered when, yeah, November when 4th. They and that. they're doing a six game regular season schedule. Yeah. Yeah. Then, which is nuts, but that's still fun. It's better than nothing. And it will give some of these guys the opportunity to, to show out. Like, yeah, it's going to be a small sample size, but it's going to be better than nothing. I, I mean, 100%. Get. For as, even though this season shortened, the idea that we were ever going to play a season in the spring for if you were a player should not have been ideal because you were going to end up playing. You were going to have reduced spring practices, which meant that your actual prep time to get ready for football was going to get reduced. And you were going to have two full football seasons in one calendar year. And the body really can't do that. We would have seen a lot more injuries. We would have seen a lot of issues. So I'm happy for all these kids because, yes, are they going to lose a game or two? A hundred percent. Is everyone going to play the schedule that they're actually claiming right now? They're absolutely not. Is it going to be fun for all of us? It absolutely will. And is it, are the college football players generally happy about it? I think they are. So yeah, I'm all for it. Yeah. Now maybe we buried the lead because this was, we had some more news come out uh, since then. No one cares about them. (laughs) But, but we, but for the sake of the the, the music, we had back. (laughs) We've got the pac 12 back November 6th. They're doing a seven game seven week format i'm ecstatic super pumped uh, of course <laughs> the day after are out <laughs> i know the day after it happened javon holland said he was going to be remain out Panay Sewell isn't coming back so yeah it's kind of unfortunate from from that perspective like i don't think oregon is going to be a national title team and they probably weren't anyway but we get to watch Pac-12 football, which, you know, I am just so thrilled. I think it's great. Like, you and I's favorite teams at first, we thought weren't going to be coming back at all. And this obviously, we still love... so sad if that Yeah, happened. but we still love college football, and it would have been okay. But now, man, we are just... I'd have been moping. We get to rejoice. And I, and I get to be depressed at least twice this year when we lose games we shouldn't. <laughs> like, that's inevitable. But yeah, I'm, I'm super excited schedule last i checked has not this i mean we're recording this uh you know we usually record on wednesdays last i checked the schedule hasn't been released so i'm not exactly sure what we're playing i do know that um the university of colorado like where i live we still in boulder county kids between like the age of 18 and 24 aren't allowed to get into close proximity to each other so there's no football practice as of yet uh so that'll be interesting i kind of i kind of feel bad for uh for whoever well, I feel bad for CU, and it's going to be uh, definitely a game that I'm going to be betting the uh, the over on. Or whoever's playing against them, I'm taking the points with them because uh, CU's not going to be ready to play. Um, but what what else do you have? Uh, what other kind of news and notes do you have before we kind of roll into the uh, the meat of the show? Of course, we're going to get into our Can We Talk About segment. We're going to go over last week's uh, picks and our locks, and we'll look ahead to uh, to the upcoming week and, and see what we can uh, parse out as, uh, as far as picks and locks go from there. But is there any other uh, news? I know there's a couple of players you wanted to, to bring up here that we got some news on. So we got Rashad Bateman was officially declared eligible to return. Um, I think since we last spoke, Rondale Moore opted back in. I don't know if he had actually done that last time we were on the podcast, but Rondale Moore and Rashad Bateman, arguably the two, I mean, the second and third best receivers in the Big Ten um, are back to play. And then... Uh, are you Mike- referring to Garrett Wilson? <laughs> Well, Garrett Wilson might be more talented than the number one wide receiver in the Big Ten, but the number one receiver in the Big Ten is Chris Olave. I thought his first name was Bai. 
Oh. And his middle name was Chris. Because you always say, bye, Chris Olave. This is true. Um, okay. Sorry, I'm, I'm stupid. Continue. No, you're good. And then Ohio State did get their two other players who were opting back into the season. They were officially, I guess, they were given the green light by everyone. So I guess they're said they're good to go. So Sean Wade and Wyatt Davis are back. That should help Ohio State. And then the one disappointing one that we were all kind of like, it would have been surprising if he came back because there were stories that he was driving a Bentley around New York City last month. So Micah Parsons, he is officially staying out for the year. And we, I mean, I talked about him all summer. He was a guy that I just think he's fun. I think he might be the best defensive player in all of college football, or he would have been. But mm-hmm. whatever. Go get your money, dude. Um, I mean, you already got some, clearly, with the Bentley. So Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's a bummer. Uh, it probably helps Ohio State's chances of getting the playoff with. Uh, We're smacking them anyway. Well, I know, but Parsons is a he's a game disruptor. You never know what he can do. Um, let's talk about some of the huge storylines from last week. My God, can you believe? W- w- let me let me it rephrase. Was bloody. What was more surprising to you, Oklahoma's loss or LSU's loss? Oklahoma's loss. Was not more surprising. Honestly, not particularly close, only because Oklahoma yeah. shouldn't lose that game. Oklahoma's post-game win yeah. expectancy was still over 50%, meaning that they really should have won that game. Um, the thing that really was the killer for them was three turnovers, um, even potentially more, and they lost the field. They dramatically lost the field position battle, which, I mean, kind of was the same thing. And then their defense. So mm. um, we sort of been a proponent uh i know jordan was a huge fan of him back in the day uh i was sad Grinch. to see him leave ohio state but alex Grinch, i'm beginning to think he's a myth um yeah his apparently i was watching the rj young show and rj young is one of the um he's a 24 7 contributor and he covers oklahoma and he was saying that our all off season there they were talking about we need to get 26 turnovers, 26 turnovers, 26 turnovers. We have to create all these turnovers. And they have, I think it's one through two games. They're just, their defense is not creating turnovers and they're still getting gashed for big plays. So how is this defense going to get better? Um, and the thing that's the, if you're an Oklahoma fan, the thing that should terrify you is you have talent you are winning meaningful recruiting battles. You're getting yeah. players from good pedigree schools and you're bringing them into Oklahoma and they're not getting better. And specifically in the secondary, they're not getting better at all. And that should be worrisome if you're an Oklahoma fan because I think that this is going to feel very similar to like a Texas Tech year from a couple of years ago. And I don't mean like they're going to end up like a 500 level team but they're probably gonna have to win most of their games 50 to 40 like really they're gonna have to win shootouts because i don't see it getting much better for them and i mean their offense was good we for even i i know you immediately wrote off my heisman pick spencer rattler which for the record my heisman pick is justin fields but i couldn't pick him because he wasn't playing football during the season when we made our pick right um but I, I Rattler's still very good, but that last interception was really bad. He, his first one wasn't really his fault. It was a tipped pass that happens, but he definitely like needs to clean that up. And because I think they're going to, their offense is going to have to play nearly flawless this year. 
Yeah, no, and 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 even just from a point spread, excuse me, from a point spread perspective, yes, this was the bigger upset. I thought it was crazy that like the rushing, the rushing defense for Oklahoma was fine. Like they only gave up sixty six yards, but they had that big twenty eight yard run uh, that they gave up to Deuce Vaughn that that set them up for. I forget if it was a game tying touchdown or the go ahead touchdown, but that was big. But um, other than that, like they they were able to stop them on the ground. It was really like you said that passing attack and those turnovers that were the real problem. But the uh, the LSU Mississippi State game was just so much fun. So much fun. Like as a Kylan Hill as the Kylan Hill truther, um, I just really loved it. And I think you and I probably have a walk. I think we walked away with a different perspective on Kylan Hill. Uh, so maybe we can get into that for a little bit. But in general, just the weekend felt so much fun. And if this is what this season is going to be like with the SEC coming back and having a full slate of games, like when the Big Ten and Pac-12 and Mac and all these other conferences are are joining in the fun, like if this weird off season gives us uh, more Saturdays like we just experienced, like I'm here for it. It was so much fun. Uh, my locks sucked. Let's be honest. Uh, like things are crazy. I think it's really hard to predict some of these things this year. Like it feels harder than usual. But my God, what what a fun day of football Saturday was. I mean, it was it was the first Saturday we've had where I didn't feel like I had enough screens to keep yeah. up. Like I felt like I <laughs> yeah. grab. I have a couple of laptops in my house. I'm like, do I need to grab all of them to just go start throwing on football? Like, how much football do I need to watch? Because it there was just so much on it. I mean, part of it is, I mean, I take my locks pretty seriously. I, I want to make sure they're winners. I'm sitting there sweating. Uh, yep. Pit Syracuse to make sure they stop scoring points, which is, by the way, not a fun way to be uh, <laughs> watching football when on the other channel Oklahoma's trying to cling on to a like a nothing lead so yeah but it was i mean it was a great saturday i had a whole lot of fun watching football and i'm i'm sure you were in the same book and yes we'll get into kylan hill later but i mean the one thing i'm taking away from this is this feels like the sec of a couple of years ago like we we've gotten to this point now where the sec is a very good offensive conference and we all sort of expect it and there's a couple of teams that still kind of play the old school sec model of like defense is going to win them a championship but there's i would say three maybe four good quarterbacks in the sec right now. I mean, Hmm. the fact that KJ Costello, who, I mean, realistically Stanford didn't really want him to be the starter. They want, he was, he was fine. Like he was a fine quarterback that he he wasn't anything special. Just came to the sec. And now he looks like he's a world beater. Oh (laughs) my goodness. The fact that Georgia had to bench their quarterback in the first half, the fact that um, like Alabama might have the best quarterback in the conference. And it's Mac Jones. I mean, ah, Kyle Trask. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm sorry. Kyle Trask has, well, this is true. He had a, he had a fantastic game. I don't know what it means for the season, but he looked real. I watched, I think, I think I had three screens up (laughs) on Saturday and that game was, cause that was, I I think I put my largest bet down on that game. Uh, So I had that one on the big TV and then I had my laptop and my phone and the the iPad going. So I had four at one point. And then my kid game. Oh yeah, I, I was messages I was, from you like every couple of seconds. I was sweat talking about sweating a stupid game. My God, it came down to a, a fourth down stop or a, a play with one second left. It was it was tight, but uh, I was on the right side of that one. I, will, so. I, I do want to officially uh, uh, issue an apology to Ole Miss for saying that they should have been running John Reese Plumley. Mm. You can go with Matt Corral for a while. He looks you look good. He looks very good. I mean, not his hair. He he looks stupid, but. He looks like a good quarterback. Yeah, I actually kind of liked it. 
Um, I liked his look in general with the eye paint and all that kind of stuff. But um, wow, it's good, man. It's it's fun. I'm glad it's back. And while we're still waiting for everything else to get back to normal in this world, um, you know, restaurants are still open and they're counting on us. While their dining rooms may be closed or at limited capacity, uh, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. And DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with contactless delivery drop-off. Choose from your favorite national restaurants like the Chipotle, Wendy's, the Cheesecake Factory, whatever it is you like. And uh, many of your local restaurants are open for it too. Just go to the DoorDash app, select your favorite restaurant, and food will be on your way. Right now, listeners to this podcast can get $5 off and zero delivery fee on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, that's Blue Wire for $5 off with DoorDash. All right. Our segment that we need to figure out a better intro for is uh, is, is right now, Matt. Can we talk about... Go so, for it. Can we talk about Kyle Pitts? Yes, please. So, oh, my God. So you here's the reason why I didn't want to fully give credit to uh, Kyle Trask. He has maybe the most... Like, if there's a... The way that Gronk used to just be unguardable and it didn't matter who you put on. Like if you put on a, cor- a corner on him, he was too small. If you put on a safety, he couldn't hang with him in coverage. And if you put a linebacker out on him, it was just laughable. Um, I think we're going to see that a lot this year with Florida. I think they're going to just, he's going to be a matchup nightmare. Um, and it's going to be pretty much unfair for anyone who has to go against Florida. So I, I can't remember its final stat line, and I'm now trying to pull it up. Eight, eight receptions, 170 yards, and four touchdowns. And one arm that murdered a man. Yes, and his long went for 71 yards. Like, it was a baller day. It, and that's, uh, so we've talked about him a couple of times. I, I know I've mentioned him a few times. He's, I think, uh, he might be my tight end one. Um, I think he's always been I think sort of you've in that moved comp. between him and Kyremuth or what Kyremuth. Yeah. I think right now if I had to pick one, it's gonna be Kyle Pitts. Athletically, he is yeah. going to be easily the best guy in uh all in this class. Um so yeah, I know you're a Brevin Jordan guy, but well, I'm just well saying. about that. Like I had seen like I have I, I'm, I like Miami. We all know that. Um and and Miami had already played a couple games. I'd, I'd got to see Brevin Jordan running down the field for touchdowns wide open. And so like, it was easy to be like, Oh yeah, Brevin Jordan, but watching Kyle Pitts play um, it's, in it's this, in this level. game, it is, it is just unfair. Yeah. I, <laughs> I've seen him go. I, I did a, <clears throat> a depleted Debbie draft this off season. I'm pretty sure he was a first round pick. It, it's yeah. he's that good. Um, so I want to actually talk about one other player from this game before we get to your two or your teams before we jump into those. Um, it's a guy that I, I called out before last season as a potential breakout. And then he did break out. Um, and that's Elijah Moore. So he's not the biggest receiver. Um, he's, he's a slot guy. He's five, nine, one eighty five, but it, he is a receiver for Ole Miss. And in this game he had, uh, 10 receptions for 227 yards, including a 57-yard reception. He didn't get into the end zone, but who cares in this case because he had 227 yards. He's going to be a volume guy 
and he's going to be a guy to watch. He was their leading receiver last year when he kind of started to fill the role that was left by DK Metcalf and AJ Brown. He was the guy that looked like the most obvious to fill that goal or fill that role. And now, I mean, it, it sure seems like Lane Kiffin is going to feed him the ball. So I would expect to see really big numbers from him all year. And if he's not one of the more expensive dudes in DFS, and I haven't looked at the slate this week, he should be a guy that you're looking to get in your lineup because I don't think this is an outlier. Right. And I think he had like a 35% target share. And again, this is a game that I was watching closely. Um, and again, rooting for Florida because that's where I put my money. And uh, I was, I just kept getting mad at him. And every time he'd catch the ball, which was often, uh, I was like, damn it, Matt. <laughs> like, this is your dude. Like, you called him out and here he is. Like, he, he put on a show. He looked really, really good. Um, hearing you say he's five foot, he plays a lot bigger than that. Yeah. He, he's uh, not- I mean, he's not a guy that is out there and just disappears, but he's, he's not like, let, I mean, the reason he's not going to probably end up with 14 touchdowns or something is because most likely if they get inside the 10 yard line, he's not going to be their target unless it's on like a slant and he just right. runs it in. Um, he'll need some yak production. He, he's going to be a yard after catch guy. And so I would say he actually, he's interesting because he, I mean, he's going to get to the NFL. He's he's talented enough. He's going to get to the NFL, and it'll be interesting to see how he goes. I do think he's a, a viable Debbie asset. Good, yeah, yeah. I uh, I kind of felt that watching him too. Uh, he he looked like yeah, he looked the part. Yeah, definitely. You have you have another name of a guy you want to talk about up here too? Okay, so well, I'll just throw him out there. I don't have a ton to say about him because he's four eleven and one hundred and twelve pounds, but. Um, Deuce Vaughn, I'm, I'm joking a little bit. He's five foot five and 168 pounds. So I'm not joking that much. He's like Tariq Cohen. I'm he's a smaller Tariq Cohen. I'm pretty sure he's, (laughs) I mean, he's, the reality is his upside. If you're looking for like a miracle of what this guy becomes, it's like Maurice Jones drew if he gets like thicker. Um, but so he had only eight carries for 45 yards and a touchdown against Oklahoma. But what was really impressive, if you're looking at him as a, can he get to the NFL is, is this stat line in the receiving, which is four receptions for 129 yards. I mean, we always talk about it. If, if they're getting even like utilized at all in the passing game, I'm pretty happy him getting utilized as such a, they noticed him as a, where can we exploit this Oklahoma defense? And they saw him and said, they can't cover him. Right. And he's a freshman. I mean, this is a freshman from Kansas State. I don't know he if you was, mentioned. I think that he was or not, a three. But. I'm pretty sure he was a three-star recruit. He's not like someone that's super duper. Um, he doesn't come with this massive pedigree, but I don't care. He looks like he's going to have. I mean, if you're in a college fantasy league, if you're in a college football dynasty league, um, I mean, try and trade for him. He might be difficult to get, but I think he's going to be a producer for all of his years at Kansas State. Yeah, that's good. Uh, can we talk about Miami, please? <laughs> oh man, oh the U. Are they back, or is FSU just the worst team I in mean, the entire world, so or both? <laughs> Let both can be an option. A little bit of both. However, one they might be back. I, I, I mean, I think you can make a case right now that Miami is the third or fourth best active team. Like, Ooh, I thought you uh, when you said third, I was like, he better not say third in the ACC. No, no, no. But I, I, I mean. Right now, who are you taking on on a neutral field, Miami or Notre Dame? Oh, Miami. Yeah, I, and I mean that's the competition in there. And then who are you taking, yeah. like like Georgia or Miami? Yeah. I mean, right now there's a lot of bad football teams, and so yeah. like, you when you start parsing this out, you say like Texas or Miami. I think I'm taking Miami. 
Auburn or Miami. I think I'm taking Miami. Texas A&M or Miami. I think I'm taking Miami. By the way, I hate Miami. Like, I really don't hate <laughs> them. Um, I really wanted Derek King to be not amazing so I could troll them more this year. Um, I went literally a week ago. I called them the, their upside, a poor man's version of Georgia. Um, so I'm really disappointed that I'm already wrong by a mile. However, with all that being said, I don't know if we've seen the bottom of FSU yet. Now, part of this is with Mike Norvell not on the sidelines. I mean, say what you will about how much does a, a head coach really do enough. And right. But I mean, that Georgia Tech team that came in and beat them has lost. I think they've lost two games since then. Uh, 49 to 21 to Central Florida and 37 to 20 against a Syracuse team that I cannot stress enough sucks. Um, so I, I mean, the team they lost to was not good. And then they just got housed by a rival. So yeah, Miami legit, super excited. Florida state really, really bad. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's, it's bad. It's worse than we could have expected. Um, I don't know if we, we were hoping, (laughs) I thought 500 when like, FSU alumni were coming out and saying they were hoping for a 500 year. I thought they were just being like slightly pessimistic. I mean, they have talent. Right. Corbin is a good running back. James Blackman isn't amazing, but he's not bad. Um, I just, yeah, I, they're always in like the top, the top tier or top tiers in recruiting out there. Um, like talent composite, but they're they're regularly like a top twenty five team in talent composite. They should be a top twenty five team, and I don't know what is going on with that program culturally. I think it is a disaster, and there's, I mean, realistically, I I don't even think they're you can expect them to be a top twenty five team next year. That's how yeah. bad oh. things look like they are. I totally agree. I totally agree. Um, the other team I wanted to talk about, um, well, there's a couple other teams, but Mississippi State. I mean, we've already talked a little bit about Oklahoma. I don't think we need to go back into them. Um, the air but I did want to talk about here. Yeah, Mississippi State. It, that, I, that's another game that, like, I uh, that was my other big bet of the of the week. I felt very confident in Mississippi State's ability to cover just because the line was so big. But like, there was no like money line thought in my mind, you know. And for them, I just kept waiting for LSU to come back and come back. And, and they kind of did. They got that that interception, that crucial part of the game. But Mississippi State, man, they just kept throwing the football. And they would do those little, like, that where the receiver kind of just, like, kind of cuts across the middle of the field. And Costello would just hold it, hold it and hold it. And then just kind of, like, dump it for, like, 14 yards down the field. And then the receiver, like Osiris, what's his name, would just, like, yeah, just take off with it and, and go, go, go. <laughs> like it was, it was nuts. It was so much fun. They set a record for passing yards uh, in the SEC in, in the first, in, in Mike Leach's first game while defeating the defending national champion. It's, it was just too much fun. So I think this game goes out there to show like I was not being Debbie Downer when I was criticizing Miles Brennan. I was not sitting here saying this to be a hater of LSU. Miles Brennan is not Joe Burrow. Miles Brennan is a below average quarterback. At the yeah, he, I mean, he's fine. He's fine. I no, I think I I would go as far as to say at at least in the Power Five, he is in the bottom half. And that's I mean, because Mississippi State isn't exactly like 
they're not a stout defense. They're not expected sure. to be this great defense. He had a QBR of 32.2. He had three touchdowns and two picks when his counterpart on the other team had five touchdowns and two picks. And also, by the way, 623 yards. I mean, the things that are realistically LSU could have won this game if they if they did kind of what I thought they were going to do. I expected LSU to come out and play. uh, Oh, boy, why am I blanking on his name? Shoot. They needed to go back to the old style of LSU football. John Emery? Are you talking no. about the running back? Well, they do need to go John Emery. Who was their previous head coach whose name I'm just blanking on right now? The Kansas head coach. Les Miles? Les Miles. They need to go. Sorry. God, my brain is broken. Hey, right they need to like, go back to Les Miles football. They need to go back to playing boring, control the clock, and just win the game by like 14 points by mostly just keeping this defense on, like off, keeping their defense off the field once they realized that they were going to have difficulty stopping this Mississippi State team. Um, that should have been their strategy, limit mistakes and just try and like stay on the field on offense. I don't know. And they did have, they did have some injuries in their secondary, which didn't help, but I don't know if it would have made that much of a difference anyway. I think there was a, I think it was Osiris Mitchell. Someone had a post game interview where they basically said, we expected them to give us a little bit of like room and they weren't like, there was going to be a buffer that they weren't going to play us super tight. But the moment they started playing us super tight, we knew our style was just going to exploit it. And I was like, that's a bad sign. If you're LSU that you right. mean, got outclassed by receivers who are, I mean, this is not an elite. I mean, I like a lot of these guys. I think of Cyrus Mitchell's solid. I actually like this kid, Malik Heath, who only got one catch, but like, I think it's solid, but this is probably one of the more average wide receiver rooms in the sec. And if they just kind of had their way with an LSU defense, Maybe you have to question, was Dave Aranda really good? Did they maybe not have the talent that they thought they did on defense, or at least not in the secondary? I mean, there's real questions right now. And honestly, God, I, I don't know what, what how many losses they're going to end up with this year, but when I had been saying all along that they were going to be a two or three loss team, Mississippi State was not one of the teams I was counting for that. So Right. Well, I mean, they've got... A&M, Bama, Auburn, Florida on their schedule. I mean, they're and realistically, here are the games of the like Auburn might be winnable. By that point they might have some stuff figured out. I think that game is winnable. Bama isn't. I think A&M is winnable, but I don't think they can like I don't think they're getting it turned around by Florida. Unless Derek yeah. Stingley plays like a a hospital like like the best player in the country. And he very well might, but unless he completely changes the look of this defense, they're not beating Florida. So So you go in over under three and a half losses on the year. Over. I think, I mean, I think they do lose to either Auburn or A&M. Yeah, that's, but I think disappointing here for the defending national champs, but they also lost just a ton of uh, not only players, but coaches and starters. Yeah. 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 And then they lost. Uh, Dave Aranda to go be a head coach and Joe Brady to go be an NFL offensive coordinator. You're, I mean, let's be real. The part of the reason why I said Jamar chase had nothing left to prove was I think that there was no way he was going to be good in this offense. So yeah, this is going to be interesting. And I'm actually worried because Terrace Marshall is going to have a slightly difficult time looking good in this offense. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, he had eight for one twenty-two and two touchdowns. I mean, I mean, he's this was a good game, but I wonder, like, when they play 
like we just listed off four games that are against better talent teams than this Mississippi yes. State team. In those games, does he get shut down? Yeah, and you got to wonder if if their defense is hemorrhaging this many points, maybe they're forced to uh, to push the ball and, and do it more through the air than on the ground. But but we got to move on. Thanks to a, a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Fantasy F- or of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day. I don't know about you, but I'm really excited to sit down with a Pepsi and watch Georgia and Auburn suit up this weekend, and I cannot wait to see JT Daniels make his debut. And Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. That's great. No, I'm excited, man. Uh, that's going to be a good game. Uh, before we look ahead, though, let's look back at week four. Let's talk about how we did. You uh, you crushed this week. Um, you did great. You went three, one, and one. Um, you tried to steal your- one of my wins on my last. I know, I know. I did, but you we were quick to uh you we were quick to point out that I was wrong. But you went three one on one in your locks, and then you went three and one on just our regular games that we picked. Um I also went three on one on our regular uh the regular games we did. So we're both seven and seven on the year, but I had a shite week uh for my locks. I was only one and three, uh, which I'm at three at six, three and six for the year. You're seven, four, and one. So hey, uh together we're just right, we're 10, 10, and 10, 10, and one if you put if you combine us. So but I I have a good feeling about this week. I do feel like um I'm starting to hone in on my process a little bit better. But before we look ahead, like I said, let's go back through some of the games that we uh we kind of forecasted last week. We started off uh looking at Florida at Ole Miss. Of course, uh, we've talked about this game quite a bit. Florida was a 14 and a half point favorite. They ended up winning 51 to 35. Uh, this game came down to the wire, though. Mississippi uh, recovered an onside kick with uh, not much time left and drove down. And I think they're about seven yards away from scoring a touchdown and breaking my my heart. Uh, but we talked about um, Elijah Moore already. But another guy that you were watching was Jerry on Ely. Well, what did you think about him? He he went 16 for 79 with a touchdown. He caught three balls for 44 yards. Uh, there was a lot of yards put up in this game. So uh, how did you think he looked overall? I mean, I'm an Ely fan. I I, I think I'm higher than... Can- higher than consensus on him as a debut back. And that's largely because as I say so frequently running backs kind of grim in the future. And I think you're hopeful that Ely can be the number one back in the class of 2022. Um, I'm excited to see what he can do with Lane Kiffin, but I mean, 79 yards and a touchdown and then three receptions for 44 yards. I mean, that's a stat line I'm happy with walking away from the game. I don't necessarily need him to be this super duper yards guy, as long as the usage looks like it looks here especially against a, a defense that we expect will be really good moving forward. Um, yeah, I thought he I thought he looked good. He looked pretty spry out there on his touchdown run. Uh, the guy I was looking at was Damian Pierce, a junior running back for Florida. Just curious to see what his involvement would be um, after P. Ryan left. Uh, he only had nine carries for 54 yards and one reception for um, uh, two yards. Uh, but again, most of Florida's damage was done in the air. I mean, Trask was nasty. He went for 416 and six touchdowns. Uh, but Coral wasn't bad either. You mentioned him off the top of the show. He he threw for 395 yards and three touchdowns and a pick. Uh, super fun game overall. Um, I'm curious to see what Florida does uh, moving forward because I expected their defense to be stout. Um, and maybe against South Carolina this upcoming week, they just shut them down and, and their defense is back to what we expected them to be. But uh, I was surprised at how 
effortlessly at times Ole Miss was able to move the football. I mean, yeah, I'm, I think Lane Kiffin's a very good offensive mind. And I think right. that's all we can chalk it up to. Yeah. Um, I think we'll be talking about Florida again later. Uh, Louisville at Pitt. Uh, we, we, uh, we kind of had a fight on this one. Uh, I was, uh, you and Louisville would pull it out. Short dogs. Yeah. And, and you were on Pitt. Uh, Pitt did cover. It was a two point spread when we took it. It did move to two and a half later on in the week, but it didn't matter because Pitt won by three. Uh, you were excited to t- to look at the defense. It's interesting. Uh, before this game, when we were talking with Travis, he was telling us that a guy he was looking at was freshman wide receiver Jordan Addison uh, for Pitt, and he ended up having a pretty good game. He started off with a touchdown pretty quick. He ended the day going seven for 77. Um, you were looking at the defense. I was looking at Javian Hawkins, who had 78 yards and a touchdown, but 75 of those yards came on one run, and tw- he went 12 for three yards <laughs> for uh, for the for the rest of the game. So. He uh, pretty much did it all in one run, and then I'm pretty sure he got injured at the end of the game. So, so that was pretty rough to watch. But um, uh, how do you do, feel about Pitt moving forward? I know they were someone whose whose defense you liked, and they they're a team that you've kind of been uh, circling or uh, coming back to a few times with your your picks and your locks. I think, I think their defense is nasty. I think that will it's going to be something we see throughout the years. Their defense is nasty, particularly on that front seven. That one guy I did call out on that was Rashad Weaver. In this game, he had one and a half sacks and two and a half tackles for a loss, and he did hurry the quarterback one other time. That's kind of what I like to see. They had a cumulative five quarterback hurries and seven sacks on the game. That's what Pitt does. And the the one couple of things in this game, I know you were high-ish on Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett was had was 23 for 38 for 220, two touchdowns and an interception, but he also had three fumbles in the game, even though he only lost one of them. That's rough. Yeah. And then uh, I, I had, I have to do this because there were too many people who were hyping him up on Twitter is, Oh, they, I'm higher on Malik Cunningham than other people. I think he's going to be a, he was nine for 21 for 107 yards, a touchdown and three picks in this game. Do you That's think people Malik just want him to be a thing because of Lamar? I don't know why people want him. I think people see the stats for Tutu Atwell and think that, oh, that must be because he has a good quarterback. No, it's mm. because Tutu Atwell is dope. So, I mean, on that 107 yards, you can sit there. Well, Tutu Atwell didn't do much. Well, he had 37 yards of it, so he accounted for almost 40% of the team yards. <laughs> right. Or thirty, let's say 35% of the team yards, and he scored their only touchdown. Yep, Tutu Atwell continues to be dope. Yeah, no, it's... When I saw how little Tutu did, I, it did make me think this pit defense needs to be uh, needs to be something that we take into consideration when looking at these games moving forward. Um, let's move on to Mississippi State at LSU a game we've talked about in in length already. Um, you had chosen LSU minus sixteen and a half. I went with Mississippi State. Obviously, Mississippi State ended up winning outright, forty four thirty four. Um, John Emery was a guy that you were looking at. He went seven for twenty seven rushing and three for twenty five through the air. How did you feel about his performance? And are you concerned um, that Terrible. his ceiling might be uh, might be kind of lowered? I mean, with I don't know what's happened uh, with him. He was, I mean, we're talking about a guy who was either the top or number two running back in the in his high school class. We all thought he was going to be the guy that took the job from Clyde edwards alaire last year, and now he still might be third on the depth chart. Like Curry hmm. and Davis Price were the guys that got the early run um, in this game. Emery was incredibly ineffective for most of this game, 
And I'm pretty sure the final stat line is even deceiving because he had must have had a couple of late runs that actually like boosted the stat line. Because at one point I looked, I think he was like five carries for like two yards. And it was it was gross. Um, count me in on people who are now officially worried about John Emery. John Emery will not be within my top 60 Devi assets mm. um, right now. He's probably fringe top 100. Well, um, yeah, that's quite the fall. Uh, as you said, he lost out to Alaire last last year and now this. So, yeah, that's that's big. Uh, the player I was watching was Kylan Hill, and he went seven for 34 on the ground, which, you know, is not great. But through the air, he had eight receptions for 158 and one touchdown. You texted me after the game and you were like, uh, seemed like you were a little bit concerned about what uh, the air raid offense, what Leach's offense might do to Hill's draft capital. And I thought we should have a brief discussion about that. So moment of transparency. I was being lazy and only looked at the rushing yards really quickly. <laughs> okay. So, however, I, I somewhat... You don't have to have take lock. No, no, no. I, I, I think the <laughs> overall positive performance i also think this is unique um i don't think he's gonna end up max borgie ish with his usage Mm -hmm. rate i don't think he's gonna get like 85 receptions on the year i think he'll probably end up with actually 85 is pretty high on a 10 10 game season but whatever right um like i think he'll probably end up in the like 50 reception season really good um but i i am a little bit worried that they're just not gonna run the ball very much and while kylan hill has proven himself as a runner. I don't know. I guess I'm concerned that he's not going to get treated like a running back when he's at, when he's done with this year. So like Washington state has always had these guys that were useful ish running backs, but amazing receivers like uh, James Williams is a guy a couple of years ago that I just remember looking at. He was averaging like five receptions a game and, I think he was a seventh round pick, maybe even an undrafted free agent. Um, I understand Kylan Hill's better than that, but I'm I'm a little bit worried that we're lo- still looking at a day three guy unless something changes over the course of this year, and that makes me a little bit nervous. Yeah, and I'm terrible with projecting where people are going to get drafted. Like I was the Eno Benjamin guy, so <laughs> so take whatever I'm saying with um, a couple spoonfuls of salt. Uh, but last year he had 242 rushing attempts um, for 13, 50, and 10 touchdowns. So I feel like when teams look at running backs, they'll 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 see that he has the ability to run the ball, even though they're not seeing it necessarily at Mississippi State. But on top of what he has done rushing, I think he's shown that he can uh, produce. I mean, this is assuming that this continues, obviously, right, uh, to some degree. But he's he's shown that he's able to to catch the ball as well. He's got good hands and man, he looks so good after the catch as well. Uh, I know some of that was missed tackles, but you know, uh, I would have been tackled on all those plays where he's, he's able to get out of them. So I, I was just really impressed by him. And I think that if he can show that he is an asset in the passing game with what he's already proven that he can do on the ground, I, I think he could have a really special, um, year and, and, and find himself, you know, um, not in the top, you know, I don't think he's going to like challenge Etienne or, or even uh, Chuba, although with that offensive line, who knows at Oklahoma State. But I think he could be uh, between the third and fifth running back taken. Yeah. And I mean, part of this, I'm, 
I guess what what you're hoping for is that he's going to be in that group, the Journey Brown, the um, God, I can't even think of anyone else right now. I've really Kennedy Brooks. Group. Yeah, they're like, I mean, but none of them are playing. So there's well, there's a few guys that you're just kind of hoping he ends up in that same group, and I don't know. I'm I'm worried he's going to end up being your Eno Benjamin, who you fall in love with. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to me, like when I'm looking at that, those guys, like who we just mentioned, and then like, even like CJ Verdell and throw whoever else you want to throw in there. I just, I, I, I see him as a more complete um, and, and special back, but anyway, uh, uh, we can move on. Let's talk about uh, Florida state at Miami. Again, this is one we talked about earlier. Uh, we had uh, the, the line was 11 and a half. We were both on Miami. You wanted to see what t- t- Tamori and Terry would do. Sucks. Um, yeah. I know he was dealing with some sort of injury thing. He had zero targets. Did he play the game? I think so. Because I, I mean, he had a rushing yard for minus four, but I don't remember game, seeing him out there. I watched, I, I can be honest, I didn't watch much of this game. Um, yeah, I, I turned it off fairly early as well because I've been watching four screens all day and the game was out of reach. <laughs> so um, so yeah. my I, I can't give a great opinion on it other than Tomorrow on Terry continues his streak of not being very good against Miami. So, yeah. yeah. And then uh, my player to watch was Cameron Harris. Uh, he went 12 or 43 with two touchdowns and he had four receptions for 20 yards. Um, I've been very impressed with him so far this year. Definitely someone who is, uh, was not on my draft radar or excuse me, my rankings radar, um, but, but has moved on to it that's, um, over these last couple of weeks. That's the other guy we needed to mention. When I'm saying the tier, that second tier, it's probably Cameron Harris. Two guys that I'm going to mention every single week while we go to Miami, Brevin Jordan, 5 for 41 and a touchdown. Love it. And then my boy, who I have deep-seated resentment towards, Jalen Knighton, 5 for 28 on the ground. Fine. Nothing special. Uh, 3 for 35 uh, through the air. Again, nothing special. But guy, keep watching him. He is a talent, even though I hate him. Speaking of people that you kind of have uh, that you kind of like and that you talk about a lot, someone you didn't bring up this week, but I, I texted you their stat line. Um, you because you had mentioned him the week before was Ulysses Bentley, um, yeah. the fourth He's from good. SMU, the running back, the uh, the freshman running back. He had another outstanding day. Um, he only had six carries, but he took those six carries and produced 104 yards and two touchdowns. <laughs> so he averaged over 17 yards a carry. That has nothing to do with this game. But uh, I did want to bring it up because it's, you know, another guy you like. Let's uh, why don't you take us to your locks? You had a good year, a good year. You're having a good year. You're uh, you had a good week. Why don't you take us through some of these? So as uh, as I mentioned, Pitt and Louisville, low scoring. Love it. Actually, almost wrote this game off as a loss early because I saw them score a whole bunch of points in the first half. And then all of a sudden defenses came out to play. So uh, Pitt Louisville covered under 54 and a half with 53 total points. Love it. Makes up for last week losing by a field goal. Uh, West Virginia and Oklahoma State, which was my favorite pick of the week. Um, and my article one that takes me to 4-0 on the season. Under 52, that game only got to 40. Love it. Um, Georgia Tech and Syracuse, under 52 and a half. This was my one loss on the week. Uh, they got to 57. They scored a lot really early on and then just kind of kept scoring a little bit. Uh, I uh, At halftime, I went ahead and put a bet on Syracuse money line because Georgia Tech just couldn't do anything. Nah, that game was rough. Uh, <laughs> That game was surprising. Q's, uh, I mean, maybe they're not terrible, but they're definitely not good. Um, right. 
BYU Troy. I watched zero seconds of this game. This was a <laughs> plus game, and I knew that BYU's point line was inflated by a really weird Navy game. Game only got to 50, uh, 55. I had the total at 61 and took the under. Love it. And then Baylor, Kansas. Um, I'm going to just read what I have for my justification for this one. I had because I said so. I definitely put a ton of thought into this one and got a push. Um, so yeah. under 61. Um, coming away with a push. I'm a little bit surprised that they actually had such competent offensive play considering that it was their first game. Yeah. Um, my one win on the week was Baylor minus 16 and a half. They ended up winning by 33. Baylor looked really, really good to me. Um, and I don't know how much of that is Kansas and how much of that is Baylor, but, uh, they looked good on defense. Their special teams scored a touchdown. Um, Brewer looked more than competent through the air. And after a week where Texas had to come back um, because they shit the bed, Oklahoma did lose. Baylor looked like the most complete team in uh, the Big 12. It's a slowdown. I know. I'm just saying they looked like the most complete team. Um, I mean, Oklahoma's playing Kansas State. Kansas State better than Kansas. Texas played a team that almost lost to Houston Baptist. No, I, so. don't, I don't deny this. I'm just saying like, yeah, is, I know well, as much as I, I think it is fair to start believing in Baylor. I would also caution you in saying that this Kansas team might be awful. Yeah, that's fair. Um, the few that I got wrong, I got super angry and I'll tell you why. So UCF at ECU, uh, the, the line was six, 76 and a half. Uh, I took the under. It ended at 79 because ECU with like two and a half minutes left drove 87 yards down the field to score a meaningless touchdown. I was angry. But to make things worse, TCU scored a touchdown late in the game, like with zero seconds left. And because there was zero seconds left, did not kick the extra point, an extra point that would have given me the win. So I feel like that was super, super unfair. I was very angry. Now, I did kind of think TCU would just win outright. So like my process was wrong. But the fact that I lost that bet because an extra point was not even attempted really pissed me off. Um, and then I did take Texas minus 18 uh, with the caveat on the on the show last week. I said I never get my Texas covers correct when they're double digits. So uh, I will never be playing Texas favorites again. Um, and then my North Texas at Houston didn't play because Houston uh does not play football this season. Apparently. No, never. It's uh, it's crazy. <laughs> it is absolutely crazy that uh, they've just had such a run of bad luck. Uh, but let's get into week five, shall we? Uh, let's just go through some of the games that we're interested in, um, you know, just for, for shits and giggles here. We got South Carolina at Florida. I'm excited to see what Florida can do on repeat here. Um, I am leaning Florida, but that 18 number seems pretty big. Uh, what are you going to do here? I'm taking Florida. I don't have a huge justification for it. I think Florida is a pretty explosive offense. I'm going to throw a couple of advanced stats out there because they're fun. Um, offensive explosiveness, which is essentially the expected points added on a successful play. Um, Florida ranks... Wait, wait. Say that again. So it's expected points added on what's determined as a successful... Okay, play. yep. So um, Florida ranks 10th in the nation in ox- offensive explosiveness whereas South Carolina ranks sixth worst in that. So I do think, and then South Carolina is on its success rate. So plays that are, what's determined as successful is if you get, if five or 50% of the yardage towards a first down on first down, 
70% on second down and then 100% on third down or fourth down is considered success. Um, they are kind of mid-pack on success rate. They're 44th. Uh, I'm sorry, have reading that backwards. Um, they are, they're still mid-pack, but they're like 30th in the country. Um, so Syracuse is a relatively successful offense, but they are not explosive. So I do expect they'll kind of stay on the field, but not really make any big plays. Whereas I do think Florida is going to score quickly, which will make it more difficult for them to keep up in this spot. Um, player I'm keeping an eye on in this game is Kadarius Tony because you took Kyle Pitts because you're a jerk. Um, yes. Kadarius Tony, I think is actually a guy that they need to get the ball in his hands a lot. He was the only receiver on this team receiver, not tight end. Um, um, that I actually think has any NFL prospects and yeah, I mean, I think Tony is viable to go off for over a hundred yards in this game. Yeah. I, I thought he looked pretty good. He reminded me a little bit, like just comparing him to another Florida player of like Percy Harvin, just like his, his quickness and shiftiness. So, uh, I, I think he'll be, he'll be fun to watch. And yeah, player I'm watching or players I'm watching are pits just because he's an animal and I'm excited to see what he can do. Um, I'm curious just what his draft capital can be if he continues, um, like if he puts on the type of display, oh yeah, but where in the first round, (laughs) like, um, it'll be fun to see what happens. And then Trask, uh, quick question on Trask. What do you, what do you view him as far as an NFL prospect? Better than Jamie Newman. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, it's, it's difficult to say, do I, he needs, he needs to put together a good season to be in that first round discussion, but do I, he is a senior. So do so I he's coming he out be the QB three in this class behind fields and Lawrence? I do. I think both, if both fields and Lawrence stepped off the field and never played another college football down, they're going one, two, if they put up up tape that is average this year, they're going one, two. Yeah. Um, I don't think Kyle Trask is going to be able to put together in one year unless they go full Joe Burrow. And mind you for everything takes with a caveat of, if they put up the greatest passing season in the history of college football, sure, you can you can defy odds. But I think there's a chance he's QB3. Um, the only other person that's really in that conversation is uh, Trey Lance. Um, KJ Costello. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm sorry. Were we talking about day three quarterbacks? <laughs> um, no, I, I mean, I, I think Trask is fine. Um, I'll be interested. I, it, hey, if he finally, um, like turns into the QB for them. I'm, I'm thrilled. Yeah. And, and again, Trask is a guy you were on early. Um, when Felipe Franks got injured and, and Trask Felipe took over, Franks you were like this, locked. this is the guy. So Trask is a guy you've been on for a while. So take that victory lap. Um, in most of my Debbie leagues, Trask, cause they're only like, you know, you only, you know, each year you pick three more and, and Trask is, and they're all super flex. Trask is available in, in almost all of them. So, uh, as someone who is in a rebuild and at least one of them, well, yeah, I'm going to rebuild on one of them. I'm really hoping that that uh, Trask becomes a, a real thing because I'm quarterback needy. Uh, let's move on because no one cares about my fantasy teams. TCU at Texas. Um, the line is Texas minus 13. Uh, Texas is currently ranked uh, ninth in the nation. Uh, who do you got in this one? I have Texas. I have no confidence in this pick. At thir- I mean, S&P Plus has this as a 13 and a half point, or has them as should being 13 and a half point favorites. So... I'm fine with it. Um, I would say if you are going to take Texas, shop around. Um, for as much as we support Bet Online, uh, shop around um, because there might be different lines elsewhere. So 
keep an eye out if you want to take them. Uh, I do think they're going to be they're they're substantially more talented, and TCU doesn't exactly have a lot of games played yet, so fine with it. And yeah, Texas. Oh, Hopefully, they yeah. Can I I said thirteen. I see that since I put this show doc together, the line has moved to eleven and a half. Let so me I will, let me see. I, let me. I will get all the numbers that are available for us right now because yeah. I will I will get you the best number you can get. If it's uh, double digits, I'm still taking TCU because Texas can can fuck themselves because I hate I hate you taking Texas because they yeah they always break my heart. Uh, I hate having to root for Texas as someone who lived in Texas and never liked rooting for Texas. I kind of like Vince Young. I won't lie. Um, I uh, I just can't take them as a double digit favorite. I forgot to ask you the player you're watching, but I'm watching the running back room. I'm super curious how they're going to. Um, deal out touches here last week ingram had 12 uh, rashawn johnson had 16 and, and Bijan robinson only had four again he's the freshman well, did so you i mean see what happened to Bijan robinson well, what happened uh so he he has a back strain right now um okay he got so we went for a hurdle so kids don't go for hurdles um so we went no for it's the dumbest thing in the world so he went for a hurdle the dude stood up he came down basically on his head and neck and folded into a full scorpion. So oh, his, his feet touched the ground behind his head. Um, the fact that he is coming away with us with a back strain, the dude is a freak. I don't think he's playing this week. I think they're going to sit him. Um, I yeah. think he's probably going to sit for a couple of weeks, but the fact that he's able to walk is, should make people very happy. But yeah. Um, Who are you watching in this one? So I'm watching in this game is Brennan Eagles. He was a top rated receiver prospect in his class. He's not, Super duper elite, but he's been a guy that they've used a few times for deep plays. I think there were a couple of games last year we had like 50 yard touchdowns. I'm just interested. He's been one of the more explosive receivers, and I am interested. All right. Uh, we've got a top 15 matchup as Texas AM ranked 13th takes on number two, Alabama. Alabama minus, I have it at 17 on here. Um, <clears throat> the actual line is 17 and a half, so it has moved a little bit. Uh, you're on Texas AM. Tell me why. Um, no idea. Not confident. The number feels high. Yeah, these are not our locks, so that's no, no, no. <laughs> say this. I I always want to preface this by saying, like, for as much as I will, I I do put a little bit of effort into these picks every week. These are a little more gut feeling. I don't go into a super di- deep dive research into finding them. I believe Alabama's going to win this game. I believe they're going to be able to pretty close to pick their number. Um, but I just think Texas and A and M is fairly talented. Um. And I feel like the number's a little bit high, so I'm going to take Texas A&M. Uh, the player I'm going to watch here is a dude that I've had a lot of... I feel like I keep having a lot of conversations about repeat players, but Isaiah Spiller, um, he's a good running back. My only concern with him is that last year, when in his like breakout year, he was very famine against the better teams in the SEC, and he was mm-hmm. very feast against the, the bad teams. And so what that stands out to me is a guy that is probably closer to the middle than his numbers kind of show. So yeah, I'm, I'm keeping an eye on him. Um, if he does well in this game, great. And I will change my tune on him. I am taking Alabama, uh, mainly because I don't think I have, I, and I, <laughs> this is just, we've been talking about this for, I feel like six years now, but I have no faith in Kellen Mond. Um, I don't think that Alabama's defense is going to have much troubles uh, shutting down Texas A&M's offense. And um, I think they'll be able to win by, you know, pick their 18, number. 24 points, somewhere in that range. So uh player I'm watching is Trey Sanders. He's someone that we've been excited about. 
uh, running back for Alabama youngster. Uh, but he only, he had nine rushes last year, uh, not last year, last week, but only managed to get one yard somehow. So I'm hoping to see um, similar amount of rushes. I don't need him. Like obviously with Najee Harris, I, like, I don't need him to like lead the team in, in rushing um, of course, but I would like to see him be a little bit more productive. So I like to see something from Trey Sanders because we're hoping that he takes over that backfield next year. Uh, let's move on. We've got Arkansas at Mississippi State. Mississippi State ranked 16th in the nation as of right now. Um, they are favored by 17 and a half points. Uh, Arkansas shut down Georgia. Uh, they were leading at the half last week. Uh, do you think they're able to do that against Mississippi State? Do you think that was a fluke? And then what is your pick for this game? Did you really say shut down? They let up. They shut down. Georgia only scored like five points in the first half. And then they scored 32 points in the second half. But that's uh, why I said shut them down in the first half. Yeah, it, that Guys, this is why Dwan Mathis was not uh, shutting down <laughs> the starting quarterback. This is why. Um, stop. Are you changing my pick? No. Okay, I think Mississippi State covers. I think their offense just is kind of able to do whatever they want in this game. Um, player I'm watching, I just want to see what Jalen Burks. I feel like I wrote his name wrong. Traylon Burks, yeah. Traylon Burks of Arkansas is really capable of. He's probably their top wide receiver. Last week he had 102 yards and a touchdown. Last season he had 475 yards. Um, I don't think he's... Devi, um, but he might be a dude that you kind of keep an eye on in college DFS. Yeah, I'm also taking Mississippi State. Um, Arkansas, when they did have success early in that game, it was uh, stopping the run game. Um, and as you said, their quarterback, Georgia's quarterback, was really struggling anyway. I think that they will be able to pick them apart through the air as they did LSU. Yeah, this number is not scaring me off. Players I'm watching, kind of watching, I kind of have a theme for this week, I guess, where I'm I'm looking more at your rooms, looking at the rooms just because I'm curious what's going to happen. But the the Mississippi State, like there's going to be a lot of like when when you're throwing 39 passes in the first half, like there's going to be a lot of love for the for the receivers. So I'm curious kind of throughout the season who looks good and and what that could be. They've got Osiris Mitchell, who we've talked about a little little bit already and Javonta Payton and then the kid Shavers, who was a I believe is an Alabama transfer. So I'm curious to see what kind of shakes out in that room. Um, a given, of course, always is Kylan Hill, but I didn't want to just talk about Kylan Hill every game. So I'm, I'm curious to see what these receivers can do. They looked really good to me. Um, I was pretty impressed uh, watching some of the game um, with the uh, just their ability to separate. You mentioned that the the cornerbacks for LSU were right on top of them. And um, I just remember one of the touchdown passes to, uh, I believe it was Osiris Mitchell. Um, he just beat the guy off the line of scrimmage in just a, undressed him like just took two two quick stutter steps and got around him so fast it was really impressive so i would just like to see a little bit more from them see if there's a yeah some draft capital that might take place if these guys just continue to ball out uh last game that you talked about earlier uh the one you're going to sit down with your pepsi and watch you've got a top 10 matchup of uh number seven auburn at number four georgia um the line last time i checked was six and a half georgia is favored by six and a half i'm curious who you're taking and why, and of course, as we've talked about, what player you're going to be watching. So I'm caveating this. If JT Daniels is starting at quarterback, I'm taking Georgia. JT Daniels. So when will we know? Because you kick like what's kickoff? I mean, they'll probably put out they'll probably put a depth chart that says or. But JT Daniels is now cleared. Um, I do think he should be the starter. I think he's clearly the most talented. 
for anyone who doesn't know the story of Stenson Bennett, uh, go look at it because it's funny because he had to go to Juco because he's terrible. Um, and then they let him back on the team as a walk-on because he's terrible. And then they started him because they're terrible. Um, but so if if Georgia starts JT Daniels, I think they're going to win this game. I think they should start to get stuff figured out. And truthfully, um, their defense is still nasty. They have the number one defensive S&P Plus team. Um, they're going to be able to kind of do whatever they want defensively. And for as good as uh, like Auburn ended up scoring 29 points, but in the first half against Kentucky, they scored eight. Um, yeah, I know I did the same thing where I'm just taking halftime, but whatever, forget that. Um, I, I mean, I, I think that this is going to be a game where Georgia goes to its defense and tries to win this game like 14 to nothing. Yeah, I could, I could see something like that happen. Player I'm watching. I'm also taking Georgia, by the way, Uh player I'm watching is Zemir white running back for, uh, Georgia sophomore. He ended the game with uh, 13 carries for 71 on a touchdown with a long run of 20 yards, but he looked pretty rough in the beginning of the game. He was really shut down, which kind of scares you when Arkansas is able to shut you down for a half, but I'm willing to forgive him that, you know, first game of the season, everything being weird. Um, I'm, I'm curious to see how he bounces back. And he's someone that um, we've got a little bit of interest in seeing how he does just from a Debbie perspective. So it'd be fun to see, uh, what he can do. Uh, the other guy, I have two guys I'm watching in this one. The other one is Auburn wide receiver, uh, Seth Williams. He had a really incredible game, uh, last week, six receptions for 112 and two touchdowns. He was just a beast out there. I was really ex- excited to, to watch him at six, three, uh, two He was able to just get some nice jump balls in the end zone. Uh, he was targeted 12 times. So he only pulled in 50% of his targets. I think that has a little bit more to do with Bo than, uh, than him. Uh, but we shall see. Uh, Matt, let's let's move on to the locks. Let's hear who you've got with your number one lock of week five. I'll start with the non-chaotic ones. Um, so uh, NC State and Pitt under 47. Um, NC State, really, their strength of their offense, they ended up being fairly effective against Virginia Tech despite losing that game pretty handily. But their strength of their offense is their rushing attack against or in their first two games of the year, they've only had the ball stuffed at the line of scrimmage uh, 15% of the time, and they're averaging 3.03 line yards uh, per attempt, which is basically to say that on every attempt, the offensive line essentially gives the running back 3.03 yards every time. The one concerning thing is that they're uh, 11th worst in the nation in pass explosiveness, so they're really not going to be able to get big plays through the air. So this is where it becomes a little bit concerning if you're um, for NC State is they're going up against what is then the strength, which is that defensive line for Pitt, which has the second highest havoc rate. And havoc is essentially when you either get a tackle for a loss, a uh, pass deflection, or a uh, turnover of some kind. And so they have the second highest havoc rate in the country, and um, they're allowing the sixth fewest line yards uh, per attempt. And then the one final thing that's actually interesting about Pitt is that they're allowing only 1.45 points per opportunity. So whenever their opponent gets within their 40 yard line, they are only allowing them to average 1.45 points every time they do that, which is incredibly impressive. They're just stopping drives. So I think this is going to be a low scoring game. I don't think Pitt is going to change. I think we've seen what they are. They're not a high scoring team. So yeah, look for this one to be another defensive battle. 47 is going to feel low, but truthfully, this is not going to be a game where people are going to score. 
Okay, so Pitt is uh, favored by 14. Would you lean that Pitt covers, or or is that not even uh, casually in play for you? To be honest, when a line or when a total is in the 40s, um, I'm really hesitant to take two touchdown favorites. Yeah. I would probably lean NC State because I think the scoreline that is kind of like feasible is like a 24-17 kind of game. So mm-hmm. I, I would lean NC State just because present or projected scores and implied scores from these types of lines, it, it's going to favor the underdog in this spot. Yeah, not touching the spread with a 10 foot pole, though. Yeah, that's fair. Um, you know me, I, I love touching the spread. Um, <laughs> God, that sounds terrible. Uh, my first pick is Baylor minus three at West Virginia. There is a theme to this week for me. Um, I was, as I said earlier, I was really impressed with Baylor uh, in general. Um, Baylor is six and one against the spread in the last seven games. Uh, West Virginia is 5-14-1 against the spread in the last 20 when they're an underdog. Um, I was shocked. Like One of the things I like to do before I make these um, these locks is just kind of think like before I look at the number, like what would I think Baylor-West Virginia should be? And I would have thought Baylor would be a touchdown favorite at least. Uh, so the fact that it's only three points uh, made me feel super, super good. I was really um, like I've ar- actually already put money on this one. Uh, I've wanted to get up before the line moved. Uh, so um, I don't think it has yet. So jump on it. It's at uh, Baylor minus three. I'm also leaning the under. I'm going to wait a little bit before I decide uh, whether or not I'm going to put money on that. Uh, but the lock right now is Baylor uh, minus three. Back to you. Um, so I'm going back to another team that I've had some fun with, which is Oklahoma State. Um, I think what we saw last week with Kansas is they're not really good on offense. And uh, I think what we're learning about Oklahoma State so far is that they are, in fact, also not very good on offense and they're going to rely on their defense. So they are allowing the fewest points in the country in points per opportunity. So they're actually the best in the country at stopping teams crossing their own 40 and they're 10th best against defending explosive plays. So and then, like I mentioned with Kansas, they're 43rd best in success rate. They allow the fifth most havoc. And they're only averaging, they're averaging less than three points per opportunity. So when they get inside the 40, they're scoring less than a field goal per time. I do think this is going to be a low scoring game because unless something magically has changed or Kansas is just so inept on defense that Oklahoma State's uh, offensive line woes are kind of fine. um, I do think this is going to be a game where uh, teams just are not super effective on offense. So I would expect Oklahoma State to win this game handily. I'm not taking a spread again, but I probably lean Oklahoma State and yeah, take the under. Yeah, uh, my next one is one that I, I kind of feel is an overreaction from last week. Uh, I'm taking Oklahoma minus seven at Iowa State. Um, again, going with the road favorite. Um, Oklahoma, while they have serious issues on defense, um, and I was a little bit disappointed in some of uh, the decision-making by Spencer Rattler. They are a much more talented team uh, than Iowa State. Uh, Iowa State are 0-6 against the spread in the last six matches. Uh, So give me Oklahoma minus seven. I feel good about this one. Again, one that I'm putting money on early before the line moves because I have a feeling um, it's going to move rapidly. So Oklahoma minus seven. 
did 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 you think that was a surprising line when you saw that? I know you don't like playing. Uh, I like. I know you like going uh, with the uh, total points more than the, the the spread. So, what did you think when you saw Oklahoma minus seven? Did that feel like an overreaction to you? One hundred percent. I do. I oh. think this number doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, Iowa State's a pretty solid team. They actually can score quite a few points. But I think that if they were able to get beat by Louisiana, they're not going to be able to hang with an Oklahoma offense. Yeah, and by the and way, that, I did find a fifty-four on mine, so I'm taking my number from move fifty-three it. Yeah. and a half up to fifty-four. Yeah, and I would be tempted to lean the over in Oklahoma Iowa State. It's at sixty-two and a half, but it's not on my board. Uh, but that is where I would lean. All right, back up to you. Okay, so next one I got is FAU and Charlotte. Uh, this F- is this is this is the mat I I, I need in my life right oh, here. This no, game, no. this game right here. So. I think we all saw Lane Kiffin's a pretty good offensive coach. Um, and FAU is playing their first game of the year without him. So they're playing a, in a wonky year um, without their head coach that actually used to be really good. Um, I don't think they're going to be able to score like they used to. So uh, I got the number at 62 and a half. Uh, S&P Plus has this game at 59. So Charlotte is 13th worst in points per opportunity, has the third worst success rate in the country, and allows the second most havoc. Something tells me that Charlotte's not going to be super effective in this game, even if they're actually a respectable offense. I, I just think this is going to be one where you see a lot of sloppy. Um, maybe that leads to some defensive scores. That's probably my biggest concern here. Um, but yeah, sloppy, terrible game. Let's do this. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I'm doing another. I'm doing another road game. Um, this time I'm taking a road dog at Ole Miss at Kentucky. Um, I was impressed with Ole Miss. I thought they looked really, really good. Um, offensively against what we expect to be a really tough defense in Florida. I know Kentucky's got a lot of hype around them uh, as a, a lot of people's kind of dark horse SEC darling, uh, but not me. Um, I'm on board with uh, with with uh, who you were just talking about, Mr. Kiffin. And uh, give me Ole Miss plus six and a half. I think they're able to keep it pretty close within a touchdown. So um, yeah, I, I'm going going that way. Going back to my roots, man. Uh, Choosing over and unders makes me me nervous. I need a I need a I need a yeah, ticket that has lots of games game and getting it, like you stole all my S and P plus like darlings from last week. So I know you, honestly, had you not taken it, I was gonna lose on that uh, UCU <laughs> pick last week. So right. sometimes it's just a matter of, I mean, who who made the pick? So yeah, I I think for you, this is a good spot for you to be in. Yeah, it's my wheelhouse. It's my wheelhouse. Until until the Pac-12 is back, this is where I will live. So you have, <laughs> you have two left? I have two left. Let's knock your twos out, two out because mine is a fun one to end it. Okay, I think I'm only going to do one because I don't want to. No, I'll do both. All right. um, <laughs> I'm going to take another road dog. Yeah. Give me TCU plus 13 at Texas because Texas can can. I already told them what they could do. That's just too big of a number for me. Um, I might wait a little bit on this one uh, to see if the line moves some more. Um, I had it originally at plus 13. Uh, I'm, I'm now seeing it at 11 and a half, which makes me less excited. So if it doesn't move back up into the 12 range, I might not actually place uh, a bet on it. Um, but uh, for now, I'm going to kind of leave it up here and we'll see where that line goes. I'm going to split the difference and take TCU plus 12 because I I, I have seen There's it. There's definitely places with 12 and a half. You can have 12 and a half. Okay. So yeah, so I'm going to take it at 12 and a half TCU. Uh, I don't trust Texas. Their defense looked rough, and uh, I'm not a I'm not an Ellinger believer either. And and TCU looked fine. Uh, they had an opportunity to uh, to win that game. They just made a couple of mistakes. So my last one is uh, more of a a, a Matt Brand pick. 
I'm going South Carolina at Florida. I'm going under 57. Um, to me, that number feels pretty big. Um, I think, you know, I think Florida will win handily. I don't think they're going to need to um, push the pedal to the metal. Uh, S&P Plus has this as a 50.8 uh, total. So I'm getting like seven, uh, 6.2 points here. Uh, that felt pretty good to me. The total has gone under in four of South Carolina's last five games. Um, this one makes me a little nervous just because Florida can score quickly, but I think uh, South Carolina South Carolina might not score at all. So um, give that one to me. And you know what? Now that I'm now that I'm actually looking at it a little bit more, I'm gonna double up and uh, I'm gonna go ahead and take Florida minus 18 as well. Uh, we're gonna do Florida minus 18 and under 57 for the lock. Okay. So since you got back to your roots, I'm going to do something that is very, very weird for me. And I'm going to take an over. Uh, And this is actually, as it currently stands, I haven't hit publish, haven't submitted it to author yet. This is currently my article pick. And this is Kansas State and Texas Tech over 64. Real quick, your article picks are like your precious little babies. Like so much effort into these articles. Yeah. And I just want to point out that for me to have this as an over, just know that I I feel very confident in, in my analysis of it. And it is basically to say that Kansas State is incredibly explosive and good at finishing drives. And they're also bad at stopping teams from finishing drives. So they are the most explosive offense in the country, and they have the second best p- explosive pass offense in the country. Yeah. They rank as the 18th best team in yards per play, um, and they score on average 4.05 points per opportunity. And on the opposite side of the field, they allow 5.25 points per opportunity. So that's what you want to see when you're looking for a high-scoring game. Texas Tech, on the other hand, yes, they just put up a whole lot of points against Texas. Love it. Um, they have the 10th best success rate uh, in the country and they score 4.11 points per opportunity and allow 3.81 points per opportunity. This is going to be a fun one where there is a lot of points scored. So for the first time this year, I am taking it over and it is Kansas state, Texas tech over 64. I love it. It's supposed to be a very nice 69 degrees at kickoff, uh, partially cloudy. You know, it's going to be, it's going to be nice in Manhattan. So, uh, I like that one a lot. Man, it's over. The, the the wait is over. Football is back. We are in the swing of things. And we may not be able to go all the games this year, but we can still bet on the action and get involved on betonline.ag. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season, from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start wagering wins division and championship futures all day every day head to bet online today and take full advantage of their great sign up bonuses please use the promo code blue wire when you go to betonline.ag that's code blue wire all one word bet online is your online sportsbook experts matt thank you so much is there any parting words you have for our good listeners bye chris alave bye chris alave all right guys Thank you so much for listening. Again, you can check us out on Twitter. Um, Matt is at Wispy the Kid. You can find me at Stay Fun Laco. And of course, um, Rotaviz CFB Show on Twitter. Um, listen to the podcast. You know, you can go to College F- Football Fantasy Podcast on all of your favorite podcasting apps, or you can find us on the Rotaviz Radio Mainstream 
on Fridays, but we check release it on, on our check us out on the College of Canton podcast last week. We had a lot yes. of fun there. That was a lot of fun. We went over um, kind of our, our first and second round for next year's rookie picks. So that was fun. Uh, maybe we'll talk a little bit about that in the future. But thank you guys so much. We're at an um, hour and 20 minutes. Thanks for sticking around. We'll be back in your ears next week. <laughs>